It's about habitat conservation for people of all ages. More information at maineaudubon.org or 989-2591. It's just a few minutes before 10 o'clock, and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill and streaming online everywhere at WERU.org. Talk of the Towns with host Ron Beard is up next. Good morning, and welcome to Talk of the Towns here on WERU. We try to go beyond the headlines to make sense of the issues facing Maine communities, to share what works, to seek alternative solutions. Talk of the Towns is produced with support from Cooperative Extension, the major educational outreach program of the University of Maine with offices statewide. Cooperative Extension puts knowledge to work with the people of Maine. And like WERU, whose mission is to be a voice of many voices, operates out of a sense that everyone benefits when we share our knowledge, our experience, our concerns, our perspectives. We're about to practice the magic of community radio in which those of us in the studio and you who are listening create a dialogue that we hope will be a benefit to our friends, our neighbors, and colleagues. I hope you'll stay with us for the next hour and talk of the towns. Well, I took some of my cues for this particular topic from Ben Franklin, and uh, he's reported to have written about um, visiting Boston in 1735 and writing back to colleagues in Philadelphia. And he said, soon after a fire is seen and cried out, the place is crowded by active men of different ages, professions, and titles who, as of one mind and rank, apply themselves with all vigilance and resolution according to their abilities to the hard work of conquering increasing fire. And at least those of us in, in, uh, that uh, went to school um, in lo local communities probably recognize Ben Franklin as one of the originators of the idea that fires ought to be fought by volunteers or, or could be fought by volunteers. And we're glad to have some folks in the studio who can kind of bring us up to uh, 2011 and how the state of uh, firefighting is in Maine communities. Um, as we think about recruiting and retaining volunteer firefighters, we're glad to have Mike Bender, who is the fire chief from the town of Mount Desert. Welcome to you, Mike. Thank you. Good morning. Ma Matt Bartlett is the assistant fire chief in the town of Bar Harbor. Welcome to you, Matt. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And Dennis Robinson, Robertson, who said he didn't quite invent firefighting, but he's been around a while, um, is the fire chief in Blue Hill. Welcome to you, Dennis. Thank you very much. Perhaps we could get started by e each of you descri describing um, how you first got started um, thinking about uh, fighting fires. What was interesting to you? What, what led you to become a firefighter? Dennis, to start with you. Well, I was kind of a firehouse brat. My father... Uh, was active in the fire department. My grandfather had been a charter member in 1910, and uh, so I joined in 1956 when I was 16 years old, mm. and I'm now 18. <laughs> so it was a family tradition for you, yeah? Exactly. And, and what, were there a particular um, event or moment when you realized, I, I want to follow in my grandfather's and my father's footsteps? I think, yes, there was. Uh, as I got a little bit older, I can remember Father taking us up on the mountain uh, to watch the Bar Harbor fire. Hmm. And I think that was a pivotal moment. I think seeing that huge column of smoke, then we went home and stayed glued in front of the radio. Hmm. And uh, uh, Blue Hill truck went to Ellsworth and stood by in Ellsworth while everybody went down to Bar Harbor. Hmm. And... Uh, the town did a beautiful job, and from that, uh, in 1949, the Hancock County Firefighters Association was formed, uh, largely with uh, Bar Harbor's Chief Dave Sleeper being one of the key stakeholders at the time, and our Galen Redmond from up in Bucksport. Uh, my father was active in that, so that's that's kind of a... Just a thumbnail sketch. Great. Well, Matt, you look a little too young to have been around in 1947, so we can probably excuse you for not having that as your pivotal point. But what led you to get involved um, in Bar Harbor? Well, when I was a young kid growing up in town, Bar Harbor, uh, as most people live in Bar Harbor, know, hear the whistle, know the whistle. Yes, right, right. And we all had a card on our refrigerator. And, and as a kid, I remember, you know, hear the whistle blow, go see where the fire, where the whistle was for the fire and jumping on my bike and heading 
to it so I could watch because uh -huh. um, the excitement of, as you say, watching men work and, and, and being around it. Um, then kind of as I got older, I had a lost interest, but about 21 years old, I kind of got thinking, geez, I'd like to join the fire department. So I went down and I joined as a volunteer at first as a call firefighter. And as I got going, I realized how much I enjoyed it and knew I wanted to do this as a career. So I got as much training as I could and, and put myself in a position when there was an opening, I was able to put in for it and I got the job. Great. We'll come back to a little bit more description of your um, uh, fire department in a few minutes. Uh, uh, Mike Bender from the town of Mount Desert, how did you get started in all of this? Well, it was uh, just over 25 years ago. I was uh, released from active duty military, moved back to my hometown mm -hmm. um, down on MDI. And um, we bought, shortly after that, we bought our, my wife and I bought our first house. And um, my father-in-law was, was pretty active in the local fire department down there. And he uh, came up to me shortly after we bought that house and said, well, now that you're a property owner in town, you ought to think about joining the fire department. Mm. And uh, so I said, yeah, what the heck? So I went down to the fire station and meeting night and walked in and see what it was all about and um yeah i got you know bitten by the bug and and uh, really enjoyed it and uh you know stuck with it on the volunteer side through the years did mm. the training and everything and so that 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 invitation from your father-in-law mm -hmm. you probably there's some there's politics there too but um the idea that oh you're a property owner you have some responsibility back to the town there was a there was a there was a, an equation there that he was suggesting to you yeah exactly yeah you know you're not that you're a property owner or a house owner in town right. you know it's almost your um your responsibility to, to maybe, um, you know, join the fire department and help the others at least protect the, the, the property in the town, lives and property. So. Uh -huh. Reminds me of, of uh, how I got involved in some local uh, uh, um, service. My dentist had me in the, in the chair, and he said, wouldn't you like to join the planning board? Because <laughs> he was on the planning board at the time, Doc Young yeah. uh, from Bar Harbor. So, yeah, sometimes those those subtle um, suggestions come at different times as to why you might want to be involved in, in public service mm -hmm. in, in that way. Um, starting with you, Mike, could you just, just describe your, your department? Uh, how is it structured? Um, how many volunteers do you have? Uh, you're paid. Um, how are the others involved? Give us a, a thumbnail sketch of your department. Sure. Um, well, down in, in the town of Mount Desert, we uh, we had at one time we had four independent fire companies, um, one in almost each village, Somersville, Northeast Harbor, Seal Harbor, and Otter Creek. And in 2001, um, this decision was made um, to um, merge all those departments together and establish a municipal department, which we know today. Um, since then, we still operate um, out of three out of the four original stations. We've closed down Otter Creek Fire Station, but we still um, maintain the Somersville Fire Station, Seal Harbor, and Northeast. Uh, so we have uh, three fire stations total. Um, we have uh, eight pieces of apparatus we run out of those stations. Um, currently, we have a roster of 21 volunteers. And um, out of that, um, uh, well, 21 people on the fire department, I should say, out of those 21, two are full-time. Okay. Uh, so now I have myself and I have another firefighter that work uh, 40 hours a week um, within the station. Uh, we cover, uh, it's about 55, 56 square miles, right middle third of, of uh, MDI Island. Um, and, um, you know, it's, it's a very seasonal area. So um, the winter times, it can slow down a little bit. Summer times, so it's, uh, it's just like in Bar Harbor, it's very busy. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. And we cover a wide range of calls, um, mostly in the fire side of it. We do not provide EMS service in the town. Um, that's handled you know, by private um, ambulance service down there, but we certainly, you know, support them and work with them as much as we can. Mm -hmm. And your overall budget, roughly, um, for, for a town of, of what, 1,700, 1,800, 2,200 people? Yeah, we're about 2,100 people. Yep. Um, currently, our budget is uh, just over 500,000 mm -hmm. operating budget, mm -hmm. um, and that'll, as I said, include a capital improvement plan and, and everything rolled right into the fire department budget. Mm -hmm. Dennis, uh, to you, um, describe your department. How are you structured? We're a municipal department. We started out as a volunteer department in 1910. Um, we were uh, developed by uh, the Summer Colony, appealed to the town, said they would give the equipment if we'd build a building, so they gave us a, uh, a two-horse uh, hand pump and a single-horse chemical wagon, and we provided the manpower as a community, and we went on from there as a volunteer fire company. 
that company dissolved and became a town entity in 1929, but the company itself stayed solvent, and it is to this day, so that we actually have two. We have Blue Hill Fire Company and Blue Hill Fire Department. Uh, my budget is rings in around 64000 a year, and um, we have a reserve account uh, for the purchase of new trucks, and the fire company sends out an annual appeal uh, we raise money ourselves in a variety of ways, and we use that money to buy equipment, and it is automatically given to the town. Uh, we strive to get grants whenever we can. I've At this time, there are about 30 active members uh, that come out to the fires, and uh, they train, train um, two weeks a month, and then we have equipment maintenance and things like that. So, mm. so about 30 uh, volunteers. Yes. And you're, you're paid by the town? You're in a municipal budget? Yes, we have a municipal budget. I get a... Uh, uh, stipend? I get a stipend of 3700 a year. Uh, my assistant is uh, getting eight, um, and the men get paid while men and women get paid when they're fighting fire. Yeah, yeah. And how about you, Matt? Uh, describe, you've got a little bit different situation, um, uh, but it's kind of a, a there's a blend of, of different organizations here. But describe Bar Harbor's. Our, our department is considered a combination department as we're comprised of 10 full-time firefighters and roughly 18, 19 call volunteer firefighters. Um, we all, the full-time staff works 24 hours on and we have 48 hours off. There's it's staffed by three people, 24 hours a day. We have an officer for each shift, a firefighter and a paramedic, and we respond to both fire and EMS calls. Um, we do. Last year we did roughly 1,600. We responded to 16 different calls, fire and EMS. Um, we work very closely as one department with our call force. We all train together on training nights and they respond to calls and we work as one one unified department. Um, we also have two stations in the town, uh, a central one downtown and we have a substation in Town Hill where we keep a tanker that is a first response for our Town Hill area. Um, we rely on call firefighters to take that piece of equipment and off-duty full-time Firefighters respond with that unit up in the Town Hill area. Um, our budget for the fire department is similar to Mike's, around 500000 with a big portion of that being hydrant rental, hmm. um, which is two hundred, roughly $200,000. So explain how that works. What's um, the hydrant rental is set actually by the PUC, and we need to, it, it's a portion of their budget, the water company's budget. Uh -huh. So we, we pay hydrant rental. Okay. So um, in a, in a built-up area of, of uh, village center where yeah. there are hydrants, you could expect all fire departments to have something similar going on. Yes. Right. Yes. Right. So uh, you're saying about half of your budget is, is fire hydrant rent, rental? Yeah. yeah. That's a pretty significant amount. And Dennis, you don't um, get into that? No, we do not have a hydrant district in Blue Hill. I think there's only seven. I asked that of my uh -huh, cohorts yeah. here. Is there only seven in the county? I, I'm not sure how many towns. I think that have hydrant. Right. I think that's all. Sounds about hydrant. right. So um, I, th I think um, that's probably one of the, the, the first facts that most people listening to this show don't understand, that, that there's in, in towns with hydrants, a major portion is to maintain those hydrants right. and, and to make sure there's water when you need to fight a fire. There's probably a lot of other things that average listeners don't know about um, uh, fire departments, and that's the, the nature of our conversation this morning, especially as it comes to recruiting and retaining volunteer firefighters. You're tuned to Talk of the Towns here this morning on WERU. In the studio with us, we have Dennis Robertson, a fire chief from Blue Hill. Matt Bartlett is the assistant fire chief in Bar Harbor, and Mike Bender is the fire chief of the town of Mount Desert. As you folks are looking for um, new firefighters, um, what are some of the qualifications you're looking for, for the, on the volunteer side? We won't get into the, the paid side, but for the volunteers, what are, Dennis, what are you looking for in a, in, a, in a volunteer? If we were to look for firefighters 
per se, to go into a building. We are looking for young, capable, uh, physically capable people um, who are willing to take the time to study it. Uh, they're probably going to have to have six months of training to get through Firefighter One because they'll do it uh, weekends or evenings or things like that. Um, we um, have both men, men and women on our department, uh, and they uh, do a great job. Um, we will take people that uh, maybe have, have some physical impairment for other jobs, such as dispatching. Uh, that has been common for us, and it's worked quite well. And uh, then uh, I never thought I'd see it in Blue Hill, Maine, but we're at the stage in history where criminal background checks are things that we have to do now. Mm -hmm. So uh, sad as that is to say, those are some of our basic mm -hmm. requirements. Mm -hmm. How about you, Mike? Uh, any, what would you add to that in terms of how, as you think about recruiting new folks? Um, it's pretty much the same where we are. We do uh, currently do background checks. That's that's uh, one thing that we do. We have to make sure that our firefighters that are um, on the on the department are trustworthy. Mm -hmm. um, we, they have to have all active um, main license to be able to operate the apparatus. Um, but we will we we'll take a widespread of uh, ages, uh, experience on the department. Um, there's really. Um, almost uh, a spot for anybody on the fire department, whether mm -hmm. they want to be um, the fully trained and, and what we refer to as interior tag, the people who go inside the building to fight mm -hmm. the fire, to uh, somebody that just wants to help uh, control traffic or direct mm -hmm. traffic or, or whatever. So, um, yeah, just, you know, energetic, enthusiastic. Mm -hmm. um, I make sure that everybody knows up front when they come into my office and, and talk to me about uh, joining the fire department what's uh, expected of them. Um, there is uh, a certain amount of commitment that, uh, you know, we look for. And um, if they're willing to put in the time, then we're willing to uh, support them as much as we can and, mm -hmm. and welcome into the, into the department. Mm -hmm. How about you, Matt? Um, anything else you'd want to add to that? Uh, just to reiterate a little bit what Mike said, you know, anybody is welcome. You know, uh, we have to do the same background checks, license checks as well. Um, if you want to join, we can find something on the fire ground for people to do. There's a lot of jobs that need to be filled, such as a big one now is safety, you know, accountability. You know, those are all jobs that if you're not, you want to be on the department, but you know, maybe you're not able to be an interior firefighter, those are jobs that need to be done and are just as important as being interior firefighter, just that people can do. And same thing, we're looking for young, energetic, dedicated people you know, to join the department, and if you want to join, we'll get you the training so you can become interior firefighters if that's what you want to do. Mm -hmm. So t talk a little bit about the training. Um, I suppose in 1910, there was a common sense element of training. People um, learned by doing it. Today, it's much more, I guess, sophisticated is, the, is one way of describing it because um, there's state requirements for um, what this training looks like. So it, who would like to take a stab at describing what that training consists of or, or the complexity of it? Mike, you want to start? Well, sure. Um, the, the training nowadays, I guess, to be a fully uh, qualified interior firefighter nowadays, there's, there's national standards that you have to meet, and mm -hmm. there's also state standards. Mm -hmm. Um, to meet those requirements, and, and that can be um, pretty time-consuming, and um, it, it's, uh, it, it takes a big commitment to, to reach that. Um, other than interior firefighting, if you just want to drive a, uh, a vehicle, there's certain um, requirements that have to be done, mm -hmm. um, certain training that has to be met, and you have to, it's an ongoing training, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have to recertify uh, pretty much on an annual basis. Um, just to, uh, another example is just to, to stand out at the road and control traffic nowadays. You've got to take a, uh, uh, a traffic control course mm -hmm. to meet the state standards mm -hmm. to do that. So um, it's, it's gotten stringent over the years. Um, a lot of that has uh, derived from, um, you know, injuries incurred, deaths incurred over a number of years in the fire service, and, and they're trying to make um, uh, what I feel, they're trying to make it safe for, you know, for everybody. So there's certain um, standards that have been adopted and, and enforced now. Um, but um, in it, you know, if it just, it's getting to the point where, you know, as we said, we'll take anybody in the fire department to do any job, but to do those jobs, you really have to be trained 
um, to make sure you can do that safely and effectively. And that's mm -hmm. that's what it really is, is boiling down to. Mm -hmm. Dennis, you've probably seen some changes over the years in, in how this all works. Uh, talk about some of those changes that you've seen. Well, if you go back, uh, presently I'm writing a book on uh, Blue Hill Fire Company, and electricity mm -hmm. was a major change. You, there's a big paradigm shift at that time in history. Because uh, that meant that houses had electricity, and that meant different firefighting situations. Exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, a, there was not much water supply at the time, and most of the pumpers when we went to motorized equipment had very small tanks on them. 175 to 250 gallons was a big tank. Mm. So interior fight, firefighting many times wasn't the first thing done. They sought a water supply and laid up to 2,000 feet of hose, and they would pump. Mm -hmm. And uh, fires got a pretty good start. Um, tankers came in about the 50s in Hancock County, uh, and then only 500 gallons was a terribly big tanker. Uh, we've got them a lot bigger today. I think one of the uh, other things, we started out with rubber coats, rubber boots, and metal helmets. Uh, electricity and metal helmets uh, many times can be one of the better laxatives you had if they ever come together. <laughs> so uh, You don't want to do that. <laughs> you don't want to do that. So uh, we then we came to, to breathing apparatus, and I think that allowed the firefighter to get inside. It certainly gave the citizen a better chance for rescue, and that re required very specialized, very time-consuming training. Uh, and we have wonderful equipment today to protect the firefighter. Uh, I think one of the things that the three of us could probably agree upon, we have a lot of training that we have to do that is mandated has absolutely nothing to do with firefighting, sexual harassment, back school, and the list goes on. Last Wednesday night, I just had our last training on the mandatory things. Now I can train on firefighting. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, so, and and that, that goes back to somebody must have studied and said that if, you, if we have some of that mandatory training, a firefighter is going to be better able to, to do their job, even though it's not fighting fires. But th somebody has thought this stuff through, you think. That <laughs> Most likely at some point, sure. Right, right. And, and so the, 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 the equipment has changed. Um, um, how you fight fires have, have changed. Um, so if, if you've got a, um, a house fire now, what's, what's the protocol? Uh, Matt, what do you what do you do when you when you get alerted to to uh, to a house fire? Well, if we get uh, responding to a structure fire, um, we leave with two via three vehicles, one two fire trucks and an ambulance. Uh, the big key when we get on scene, um, we have the respiratory protection standard we must go by as a fire department. Um, first couple of guys on scene can't just take a hose and go into mm -hmm. the building. We got to have Two guys who are going in, and they say if they're going in the front door, we got to have two firefighters packed up, ready to go in as well. To, to it's help the, them out or assist it's them? It's called the two-in, two-out rule. I see. Um, you know, obviously, if life safety is involved, that changes things a little bit. But, you know, it takes some time. And, we, you know, we're all in the, us three are all in the same boat. We're waiting for people to come from home mm -hmm. to respond to these calls. And sometimes... Doing that two in, two out slows things down a little bit, but it is for the safety of the firefighters. Mm. Um, that's changed over the years, but I think that's a good change, you know, to protect ourselves. So you've got um, the, the immediate um, equipment and uh, personnel from the station, in your case. Right. They get there, and they're waiting for others to come. And We're waiting for it, and they're drawing all over town. You know, it doesn't take that long. It doesn't mm -hmm. seem like it does, but there's things happening. You know, while we're waiting, you know, we're getting slaying a line in from the hydrant, getting the truck hooked up, pulling uh, initial hose lines off the truck. And by that time, people are showing up and mm -hmm. ready to go to work. Mm -hmm. So a lot's happening. You know, we're not just standing there waiting for them to show up. We're working, yes. getting things prepared, yes. getting a truck set up and hose lines off and, and other equipment set up so when they show up, they're ready to go to work. Yeah. Mike, what would you add to that in terms of how you, how you t typically respond to a fire? Uh, 
It's well, we all everyone's really di everyone's different too. Every fire is different, but sure, everyone's every fire is different. But we all really, um, you know, with the training that everybody goes through nowadays, it's it's pretty much everybody operates the same way. Mm -hmm. um, I'm almost can guess that uh, uh, we could take a fire Mount Desert and 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 move people from there and go to Blue Hill and put them on the scene and and wouldn't miss a step. I mean, it's pretty much the, the same way. Um, you know, there's certain benchmarks we have to look for. There's certain things that we need to, to make sure, life safety, you know, things like that. that so let's say a little bit more about life safety. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, when you, whenever time you have a structure fire or a building fire, first thing you want to worry about is life safety. You, you worry that everybody's out of the building. Okay. And that's the first thing you want to establish. And then from there, um, as Matt said, that, uh, you know, you start initiating, coming up with a plan to uh, initiate a, a fire attack. In there, you have a water supply. You have to worry about establishing, as he mentioned. You have to make sure there's enough manpower on scene, um, and, and certain things like that. So, um, but it it's overall it's the same step process. I think to go through, um, it can change from uh, event to event. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever you're dealing, whether it's a small building or a big building, commercial building, residential, and whatnot. And it also depends on too whether you're. Uh, within a, a hydrant district or not, and they're going to make a big change. You right. know, whether you have to haul in water or if you have water available right on scene. Right. So um, that, that would kind of bring you in, Dennis. You don't have hydrants, so what's, what, how, how do you get water to the site? Well, we, get, we use tanker shuttles, and we have portable tanks, or we will nurse from a tanker to a pumper. That's fairly common. We have an automatic aid set up with neighboring towns, uh, we started it in 1950, right after the organization of uh, Hancock County Firefighters Association, and those towns are called. One of the things. Uh, so they're they're called in automatically. If you've got a fire in Blue Hill, other towns are called in to back you up. Exactly, and and it's based on the gravity of the situation. The dispatchers, when we went to 911 and we went to Ellsworth. Um, they have done a tremendous job, and we've had the opportunity to work with them. Uh, we had a huge learning curve because we'd always had our own dispatches. And now having them, and they have been just wonderful to work with. Uh, great leadership, and it, it's key to us, and they will start everything along. Uh, they also are visionary enough to understand that outlying districts could have things. A good example would be during the ice storm. That was a county-wide event. Mm. Everyone was pretty much overwhelmed mm. with that. And fires can be the same thing. And there may be a you-all-come type fire. And when that happens, many of us in the western side of the county have decided we'll send, try to send two people. We won't strip out any particular department. Because these people, if they're having the fire, will, will have to strip. They'll have to be at the scene. Right. So we'll send them to, that will be 16 people we can send from that side of the county, and we'll still have enough to bring in a whole engine company to relieve them when they get tired, if mm. it's a long-term long, long -term mm. fire. Mm. You're tuned to Talk of the Towns here, and you may have questions or comments about um, recruiting and retaining volunteer firefighters. We'd invite your calls at this point, 1-866-625-9378. Um, That's 1-866-625-9378, or locally, 469-0500. We're talking about recruiting and retaining volunteer firefighters. I've ju you just heard from Dennis Robertson, who is the fire chief in Blue Hill. Also have a, with us in the studio Mike Bender, who's the fire chief in Mount Desert, and Matt Bartlett, who is the assistant fire chief in Bar Harbor. Um, I think you've all experienced the grain of, well, in your case, Mike, um, not grain. You've lost your hair, maybe because you're fighting <laughs> fires, but the kind of the grain of the, the firefighter's uh, force. How are you coping with that? How are you trying to figure out how to get more younger people um, into these roles um, that require training, but there's a great reward? <laughs> it seems to me that there's a spree de corps in each of your departments that says, we're here to, to serve the community. How do you translate that to someone who maybe hasn't had that tradition? What, what are some of the things you're doing around to, to get firefighters? Dennis, how do you, how do you get new people in? We pray a lot, mm. and uh, there isn't a lot of people that come running 
4th, and I think all of us are seeing the same thing. We'll have a dry spell where nobody comes up, and then all at once you may have two or three. Uh, in Blue Hill, uh, you have to be 18 years of age to join, and so by that time they're about ready to go to college, and uh, we get some wonderful young people but they quickly leave. Mm -hmm. yes. And uh, I think to say that we're fossilizing would be very kind, and a <laughs> lot of our department is doing it just as gracefully. Mm -hmm. And it does lead a void on the lower end of those ranks. Uh, I am in fairly good shape, I think, right now, because we had that surge that mm -hmm. I previously mentioned, so we're feeling good, but some of the departments right next door are I waited. Mm -hmm. So, um, in the in the older tradition, mm -hmm. it was there was a family tradition. So people came up, but there's more and more people moving in who haven't got that family tradition. So in that late, latest surge, can you describe without describing individuals? But w were there any common attributes to those th those folks? What was what was common about that surge that you experienced? Well, the surge that we experienced, we sent them quickly to the. Um, Hancock County Fire Academy. Now, mm -hmm. one of the things that happened there is, as uh, Mike pointed out, they instantly would take his firefighter and pair it with my firefighter and with Matt's, and that way, they are training together. They're learning the same thing at the same time, and I think that makes that work really well when they, they come over. The younger generation had, um, a breathing apparatus, for instance, has changed a little bit. Um, it's more automated, uh, I won't say computer-driven, but the similarities are there. Our pump consoles on our trucks are computer-aided now. Everything is computer-aided. At my age, I've almost learned how to turn one on. Hmm. And uh, the younger people are instantly competent at that. So. Uh, they're, they're invaluable. Mm, so. mm. Mike, what are some of the things that you've tried to do to, to attract people, and, and, and what's the situation that you're facing? Well, we're presently facing the same situation as uh, Dennis uh, spoke about. Um, there seems to be a gap between the, um, the older uh, members that have been on the service or in the fire service for a number of years and, and trying to uh, um, get new recruits on there, too. Uh, I think, you know, right now our average age um, of our firefighters uh, in Mount Desert is about 45, mm -hmm. 46, somewhere mm -hmm. in there. Mm -hmm. um, and as this bubble of, of firefighters get move up in age, there's not really a, a big youth movement coming in to, to replace them. We have a few here and there, but um, certainly not the numbers to, to replace the, the older ones as they start to, to retire. Um, it's, it's a difficult challenge, there's no doubt about it. Um, I think there's a number of reasons why maybe some of the younger uh, men and women in town do not want to um, uh, volunteer, for, you know, for the fire service. A number of reasons. We, you know, I won't get into that right now. But and I don't really think there's. It seems to me there's no really uh, magic bullet either. Right. Um, right. So we've we've tried several programs. Um, some we've dropped. Some are still in existence. And it, it, overall, it seems to help. I mean, we've had. Uh, we're, we're right now. We're in our second year of a junior firefighter program. This mm -hmm. has been something that's been done in many fire departments across Maine and the country for a number of years, too. And we, we started one a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, we've been able to, to gain some interest from two or three, four youths in town. Um, hopefully that'll, um, we, we look at that as a kind of a farm system as mm -hmm. they turn sure. 18, and right. hopefully we can keep them on. Right. Or um, even if they go away to school, if they move back, they will have had that initial experience. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the best marketing tools that, that we have is our existing firefighters. You know, mm -hmm. they get out mm -hmm. around town, they mm -hmm. go to the coffee shops, they go to the schools, mm -hmm. and they see people, and they say, you know, well, why don't you join the fire department? Why mm -hmm. aren't you in the fire department? And, right. and um, you know, they uh, they seem to be the ones that can that can bring people in the door the most than, than you know, anything that we've tried. I remember one, one of your firefighters is an older fellow, and he said his grandson got him involved in the fire department. Yep. So you remember that story? Can you tell that story? I, well, I don't remember the story exactly, uh, but I know I know that's uh, sometimes going to be an effective tool. That's why we try to really get into the uh, local elementary schools and the high schools. Well, the grandson was fascinated with fire trucks, and yep. he got his grandfather to take him to the fire station. And then I think he, his grandson said, well, how come, Grampy, how come you're not a firefighter? Yep. <laughs> and, and the fellow said, well, maybe I should be. Yeah. Uh, yep. It was that kind of um, really... Uh, Person to person, 
um, in this case, uh, different than the father telling the son, but the, in this case, the grandson telling the, the, yeah, uh, yeah. the grandfather. Matt, what are some of the ways that you keep, keep your um, force um, active and involved, and, and how do you bring new people in? As far as bringing new people in, <clears throat> we, it's word of mouth. Like Mike said, a uh, lot of our call volunteer firefighters and full-time staff. You know, they know people, and we actively try to recruit that way, you know, like the camaraderie of it, the, you know, what you get out of it, you know, there's no dollar value mm. on what we do to get out of it. And, you know, we try to let people know that you really get some good life experiences out of it. And, and that's our biggest thing right now is just word of mouth and, you know, hey, how about joining the fire department? You know, we could use some young guys, you know, you'd be perfect for it. And so that one-to-one -one invitation, one-to-one -one invitation. The best, I think best that, way. that is the best mm -hmm. recruiting tool mm -hmm. we have. Mm -hmm. And uh, about um, like Mike, do you do anything with um, younger people? Do you do any junior firefighting kind of things? We don't have a junior firefighter program. What we've done in the past, um, we've worked with the high school um, seniors have uh, what's called Senior X Project, mm -hmm. and some of the ones that um, are interested in firefighting have done that Senior X, and they've come to the station, you know, like they have a block in their school day where they come to the fire station, and we train them and go over things and show mm -hmm. them the daily life of the fire station, mm -hmm. the fire department. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, uh, one, my, my son did that. Uh, he's li currently living in the Bangor area, hoping to become a firefighter. And another young man came. He's in the Bangor area too, which is great. You know, you may not be on our department, but we've made them prepared, hopefully, to be a mm -hmm. firefighter somewhere. Mm -hmm. And like you said, if they ever come back, mm. you know, they will be back into our fold. Right. And as you've pointed out, there's so so much consistency now that if you're trained up in one place, it's not too hard to to kind of slot into um, another another situation. And and yet um, we're all facing this um, in all of our lives. How do we get the replacement generation in? Um, any particular um, things that you've thought about but you haven't tried yet that, that, or that you've heard about elsewhere that um, um, people have tried? Um, I think of your kind of, you say you have um, a fire company. That's kind of the, the, the nonprofit organization. Um, Dennis, uh, excuse me, uh, Mike, I know that you've, you've had a, kind of a, an association, of, a fire right. association, and they put on suppers, and, and so there's ways to kind of reach out into the community in addition to being directly asked, you know, will you be joining the fire department? Getting the word out, I guess, is, is what I see happening. We have a ladies' auxiliary, and mm. they are... Uh, they do a Christmas Angels program. Uh, they have suppers that they invite the entire families of the firefighters in, and we sat there and have a penny auction or something like that, and it kind of brings the family into it, and the outreach from the family situation, as was pointed out earlier, is it, that that is a very important uh, part of it. Um, and. I've never found finance to be the issue. The budgeting of time is, mm -hmm. and with the repetitive training, the mandatory training that we have to do every single solitary year, we just had this one and I looked and I'd, we had watched that film since the year 2000, same one. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like an unfunded mandate. It's <laughs> not that it isn't a necessary thing and it, that it isn't good but give it to the firefighters once and make them renew it every five years or something. And then as you get a new recruit, he, has to, he or she has to take mm -hmm. that. Yeah, so. yeah. So the, the idea that you're um, building a kind of a family affair, that's um, one way to do it. How about um, when, you, when you go to town meeting time? Um, there must be an opportunity to tell a little bit of your story, <laughs> um, or you would hope that through the budgeting process, um, but maybe not. I, when you go to town meeting, Dennis, how do you t kind of tell the fire department story? Well, basically we talk about uh, why the budget is what it is, and we have a wonderful community in Blue Hill. The people are very supportive of the fire department, and any time we want something, admittedly our equipment is very expensive. We were speaking earlier, um, a combination uh, engine tanker is going to run you $230,000 easily. Um, if you have an aerial, a new aerial, it's over $700,000. And we feel 
that you only need to use it one time mm -hmm. to save one life. Mm -hmm. So how do you do that? And I think our citizenry is very understanding, and we make our appeals at that time if anybody wants to help. Uh, we try to get out, as these two have mentioned, and we go to the schools. Uh, we had a senior program that we did for several years knowing that they were going to be away from home for the first time. Mm. And what was fire safety to them? Mm. Uh, we had a young man that came to us as a little boy, and he came, same as Matt, came all the time. And he was there, and uh, he now is uh, working over to Ellsworth. He's studying fire science, and he's on Ellsworth's department as a student firefighter, and mm -hmm. they have a program there. Mm -hmm. Do you do that down at Harbor? No, we don't. I think the biggest reason is we are so far away from Bangor. Yeah. It's hard for It's a long commute. Yeah. We're talking about re recruiting and retaining firefighters in our communities here on the coast of Maine. If you've got a comment or a question, give us a call at one 866 625-9378. That's one 625 We welcome your questions, your comments, your experience. Perhaps you've had experience um, on a volunteer uh, firefighting um, department. Um, give us a call, one 625 Mike, how do you kind of make the, the citizenry of the town and the, the town's leaders aware of, of, of your needs, not only for equipment, but for uh, f firefighters to, to volunteer? Um, well, we uh, we actually have a, uh, a fire department table, information table, a recruitment table, if you will, mm. set up every town meeting. Mm -hmm. uh, this is something we've done for the last four years. Um, we started it, uh, uh, as I said, four years ago. We haven't been able to recruit anybody, but it has shown a little bit of interest. It gives an opportunity for people attending town meeting to stop by, meet a couple of the f firefighters, mm -hmm. uh, ask them questions, and, and maybe get a little bit in tune of, of uh, you know, what's going on in the fire department, what they do, the services they offer, and maybe, um, you know, ask how they can help or, or what way they can get involved in that. Um, so that's one way we do that. Um, we uh, a couple of years ago we started um, a, a Facebook page mm -hmm. for the fire department, and um, I'll admit I was a little bit wary about it. Didn't know <laughs> that much about it, so it was new territory for me. It was actually one of the uh, firefighters that was working in the office that, that started that uh, for us. Um, but that um, it seems to be somewhat successful. You know, it it, uh, it it's an opportunity to get out a message of what we're doing, what we've done, and um, people uh, will go on there and look at it and, and see you know, what we've done for calls for the past week, what we're doing for training, what we're doing for uh, uh, other events in the fire department. Um, so that seems to be a, a good tool to, to maybe get some information on. And we also started to uh, do a, a monthly newsletter within the fire department. It actually started just within the fire department, mm -hmm. but um, um, in, the, in the last few months we've uh, uh, made it available on the town website page so anybody can just uh, go on there and hit a link and, and come up with a monthly newsletter from the fire department. And again, it just uh, keeps everybody up to date on what's going on in the fire department, what the firefighters are doing, and, and um, things like that. So, mm -hmm. you know, any any way we can think of that um, we can try to get the word out, we'll, right. we'll, we'll try right. and, uh, you know, and, and inform the public, inform the, the, the community of what's going on within yep. their department. Matt, what are the ways that you reach out to your community leaders and, and citizens to kind of let them know what your needs are? Uh, we just try to get as much information we can out and encourage them to come in and see us and uh, ask questions. You know, if they don't Because you've ask, got a full-time kind of presence that you could yeah, say, yeah. come in anytime. Come in anytime and see what we're doing, ask questions, see what we got for equipment, so, you know, meet, meet who's working for you in the town. Mm. And, uh, you know, we encourage that of anybody. Yep. And you, you as most towns, have a, a budget committee process. I assume that some of those budget committee members get a, a, a presentation um, uh, as well at, yeah. at budget time. Yeah, so that during the budget process, right. you know, there's the Warren Committee and the council and, yep. and the chief goes over the budget with those two committees. Yep. We do have a call. Um, we welcome your call as well, 1-866-625-9378. Go ahead with your question or comment if you'd give us your first name and the town you're calling from, please. Hi, my name is Jay. I'm calling from Sedgwick, and uh, I've, I've got a question that has to do with uh, um, recruiting for with young volunteers and whatnot, and, and, and I just wanted to share an experience of a friend of mine who is a retired uh, naval officer and has started his own uh, fire safety 
company out on the coast of California. He had the idea uh, of something to do regarding uh, home insurance companies, since it's in the interest of insurance companies uh, not to have to pay fire insurance claims. He had the idea that he would go and uh, and, and, and talk to uh, the local agents of insurance companies and, and, and propose that they maybe put a little a little note in with their uh, monthly or annual semi-annual or whatever uh, invoices for home insurance and just saying you know do you have a, a young person in your house that would be interested in volunteering or serving and it uh, increased the response and uh, uh, just l- like tenfold within about six months and they went from having a, a dearth of young volunteers to having more than they could handle, I thought it, I thought it was a good way to uh, to get insurance companies involved with their uh, monthly communications with customers. Just just a a good community effort. And I was just wondering if anything like this has uh, been explored in our area. And, and, and in addition to all this, I just want to say how how uh, appreciative uh, those of us in the really rural communities like Sedgwick are are, are of uh, the the great cooperation with all the peninsula fire departments and i'll hang up and listen thanks okay thanks so much for your call one 925 as we talk about recruiting and retaining volunteer firefighters and this suggestion is who are the stakeholders who who has a stake in solving this problem insurance companies um certainly certainly do and this um suggests that because we don't have as many people in our communities that have the tradition of fighting fires, we need to reach out and, and um, find other ways to get to parents who might influence young people. Uh, I think that's a, a great suggestion. Have you ever tried anything like, like reaching out to your insurance companies or anything like that, Matt? No, we've never attempted anything like that. But you know, his suggestion, he, the call certainly has some good suggestions like putting something in with a tax bill. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, mm-hmm. I think that's a really good idea. Right, right. Yeah, Mike? we uh, uh, we just happened to have that uh, d- do that same thing, Matt. Last year, we um, we drafted a letter up um, explaining, you know, the situation of the fire department within the town and um, and asking for anybody that wanted to volunteer, just call, stop in, email, whatever, and, and uh, you know, inquire about it. Um, we went uh, sent that uh, out to every um, with every taxable last mm. year. Um, Unfortunately, we didn't have too much of a response, right. but um, you know that that was tried. But I think taking the insurance agent angle is is, a, is an excellent idea too. We've got a we've got communities at least on the coast, and maybe some inland communities where we, um, especially on lakes and so on, we have a sizable summer population and a year-round population, and. Um, Everyone benefits, whether you're summer or year-round, from having a, a really well-working fire department. Are there ways um, um, that you're reaching out to the summer community? You, you mentioned that Blue Hill got started because of the summer community. It may be similar in, in each of your towns as well. Um, uh, we have an annual appeal that we send out every year. And in the annual appeal is kind of a story of what's going on, uh, why, why we're appealing. Uh, also, we put it in the town report. And another thing we did, I think, was very beneficial to us. Um, in Insurance Services Office is they have a rating standard for the towns mm. for fire protection. Ours hadn't been done since 1932. Mm. And we did it a few years back. And we changed the rating, which goes from 1 to 10, 10 being no department, basically. Uh, and we were a nine, and we got it down to a seven, which really is about as low as you can get it without a hydrant system. And it made as much as a 28% change reduction in premiums to some insurance companies. That was a a big help to us. Uh, I certainly want to thank the caller from Sedgwick uh, uh, for the... Uh, Wonderful credit he gave to us, and uh, tell him that he's got a real good chief in David Carter down there. He does a wonderful job. one 625 is the number to call if you'd like to participate with us, talking about recruiting and retaining volunteer firefighters in our rural communities. Mike Bender is with us, the fire chief from Mount Desert. Matt Bartlett is the assistant fire chief from Bar Harbor. And Dennis Robertson is the fire chief from Blue Hill. We have a few minutes more, and we welcome your calls um, to, to solving this problem of getting more 
volunteer firefighters. As we think about the future, um, what, uh, what are some of the trends that you're aware of that you want listeners to be aware of in terms of firefighting and the, the operation of your um, fire departments? What are some of the challenges and some of the opportunities that you see in the future? Dennis? I think one of the biggest opportunities we've got before us, and unfortunately it isn't recognized by the insurance companies as sprinkler systems. Mm. It is said that even in the biggest city in the United States, it takes 11 and a half to 13 minutes for firefighters to get to the scene and put water on the fire. A sprinkler will start in two and a half minutes. It gives people that may be trapped a larger uh, window of opportunity, and it allows us to get in if they are unconscious to rescue them and certainly to save property. So I think that's a great thing, and we have today some wonderful technology in building construction, but along with wonderful technology comes nothing's free. You have to pay back something. If it is a foam of some kind, does it off-gas something that is poisoned when it, when mm. it changes? Those are the things uh, that are out there, and we have to recognize building construction so much more. And on a very somber, solemn note, I think we all recognize that terrorism is, is in our world now, too. We lost 343 of our own at 9-11, and uh, so those are some of the challenges mm -hmm, out there. Mm -hmm. This notion of, of what can the individual do when they're thinking about building or remodeling a house is certainly something that, that you must encounter all the time. So, um, and I know that um, that may feel like an unfunded mandate, though. How do you, how do you respond to, to someone who says, I don't want a sprinkler system in my house? I think if you have a sprinkler system, uh, that you'd, even if it just came off your domestic water, I think you have to look at your family and yourself and getting out. It isn't as much about saving the property as it mm -hmm. is about saving the life. Mm -hmm. It gives you a better chance. And uh, it was many years before we got much credit for smoking or smoke detectors. And uh, I have a feeling that the insurance companies, uh, considering... Uh, sprinklers, and I think it will be a, a very motivational thing if they do it, and I think it will help everybody involved. Mm. Uh, how about you, Mike? What are some of the trends that you're seeing and, and some of the opportunities that you're facing? Well, I think uh, certainly it's the uh, increase in training that's going to be um, um, mandated or, or expected of us over mm -hmm. the, the next few years. That's going to certainly have an impact. I don't see any uh, change in that. It's, mm -hmm. it's just probably going to still increase. And a lot of it has to do with, um, you know, what is asked of the fire departments today. And I, I think it ranges from the big urban fire departments right down to the small rural ones that um, um, almost every fire department now is, is multitasking. Um, they're not just going to fires. They're not just going to ambulance calls anymore. Mm -hmm. um, as as uh, Dennis said, um, there's a big homeland security responsibility in every fire department. It doesn't matter if you're uh, New York City or, mm -hmm. or uh, you know, in a rural main town. Um, and there's uh, uh, confined space. There's uh, rescues if, if that's what you're doing. There's uh, hazardous material responses. Mm -hmm. There's a uh, wide range. So, there, you know, I think what is expected of the fire department or what is asked of the fire department to do is, is increasing the, the little jobs here and there. And they're all taking their toll. And that mm -hmm. goes back to that demanding that increase in training. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that eventually is going to have an effect on the staffing levels. Um, mm -hmm. As uh, this whole show is about, the, the, the small combination of all volunteer fire departments are struggling to maintain that staffing level. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I really, I, I, I don't, as I said, I don't see any magic bullet, anything that can happen that uh, may change that. Um, you know, we'll try to keep our head above water, I guess, mm -hmm. as long as we can. And, and, um, well, well, Ben Franklin's ideal was, you know, um, people from all walks of life, pitching in together to fight fires. Um, what you're describing is unless we can get that, everybody pitching in together, you're going to have to go to a, a budgeted fire department with, with staff that um, are able to respond. Well, yeah, and, and I think the, the way that we operate this day, these days have 
it makes a difference. I mean, when Ben Franklin's day and, and all the way up to the early 1900s, you know, you could pretty much take anybody off the street, mm. hand them a hose and, mm-hmm. and tell them to spray water on the right. house. And it really, you didn't have, didn't need that much experience mm-hmm. uh, um, just to be able to, to respond. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think, you know, that overall is, is probably one of the biggest hurdles that we're mm-hmm. going to be facing mm-hmm. in the next few years. Matt, what do you see as in, in, in your um, arena as some of the opportunities and challenges ahead? Uh, as far as opportunities, uh, I think we're, we're going to keep moving forward and trying to get as much training as we can to be a more diversified department. Because as due to great building construction codes and smoke detection and education, fires are decreasing, which is a great thing. Like Mike said, the demand on the departments is increasing, hmm. and we need to do the training and, and looking ahead. What, how are we going to respond to these different, different kinds situations. of situations, right? And and be prepared and have long range goals because um, if we sit as we are today, you know, in five years we may not be prepared for you know something mm-hmm. new, mm-hmm. Uh, a disaster or um, a different type of incident we're not seeing right now. Mm-hmm. But I do think. Like Mike said, you know, the training has changed. Um, the old days of getting somebody to, on the side of the street, geez, we need help. You know, right. those, unfortunately, are over because if something should happen to them, then, you know, liability's right. on. So um, as you think about some of the, the folks um, in your departments who um, are enthusiastic and, and, and glad to be part of your operation, what would they be telling listeners about why they do this this work? What, what is it that motivates them um, to do um, this this challenging work? But it uh, seems to me that there's some rewards there too. Well, Dennis, you know, think about some of the firefighters that you really admire. What would they tell listeners about being a volunteer? It's not about them. I mm-hmm. think is the first thing they'd say. They're doing it to help their fellow man, and. Uh, we've all heard the old joke about why would a perfectly sane person walk into a burning building, and mm-hmm. I and I mm-hmm. think that's a very true thing. And these pi- people sacrifice time, and they really walk into harm's way. There are so many ways you can get hurt. Uh, you can. It, it could be as basic as having an automobile accident on the way to the fire, mm-hmm. and. Uh, it's just they are doing it to help their fellow man, and I think it's, I think it's a wonderful gift. I I, do, I like uh, Mike. Don't know what the answer is. I don't. I his magic bullet is a is a good analogy. I mm. think, mm. but I think one of the things that is real beneficial to us is the kind understanding of our taxpayers. They support us. Uh, they visit us. Uh, they guide us, and then the opportunities to come to a forum such as this to put the word out. Uh, This is far-reaching, and I think we've got to have a comprehensive outlook, as Matt points out, for the future. We've got to get ready Mm. for what's coming down the street. Mm. We're getting older by the day. Yep. Matt, what would you say? um, Think about some of your firefighters. Why are they doing this? What would they they tell listeners who might be sitting on the fence whether I'm going to visit their their local fire department or not? It's just, you know, just what Denny said, it's it's the helping, the volunteering, you know, the excitement of doing it, the hard work, the reward, you know, it's it's wanting to do for others, you know, mm-hmm. is no greater reward than being able to help mm-hmm. somebody, mm-hmm. you know, you can't put a value on, you know, when somebody, you've done something, you've helped somebody, and they come up and say thank you, and, you know, th- there's no reward for that, and I know our firefighters are doing it because they like to help people, they want, like, work, and mm-hmm. give back. Great. Mike, what would you say? What, think about your, your, some of your, your, your folks. What would they say to listeners? I think there's no doubt that it's, it's uh, helping people in their time of need. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about it. Um, I mean, there's other factors that play into it. I think the camaraderie has something to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, the community spirit, uh, mm-hmm. giving back to the community, is always something that comes up. But um, th- there's no doubt in my mind that most everybody is on or doing this because um, they, it gives them the opportunity to um, help somebody uh, that, that may be experiencing the worst time in their life. Right. You know, and right. uh, be having the, the ability to do that, I think, is just so rewarding. Yeah. Um, and it, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, there's no doubt about it. It's a good feeling. 
Right. Well, there's about seven, between 7,500 and 9,500 people listening to this show. Hopefully, three of them, four of them, five of them will say, hmm, you know, I, I think I could give some time. And, the, and you, as you've all pointed out, it doesn't have to be that they're going to be Firefighter 1 or, you know, right. the, there's exactly. many ways right. for you there, to There's a job helping. for everybody. Great. Yeah. Well, thanks to all of you for being with us this morning. We've come to that time when I want to remind you that this program was produced with support from Cooperative Extension and the Hancock County Extension Association. With offices in each county, Cooperative Extension is the major educational outreach program of the University of Maine. Our radio collaboration with WERU began in 1990 and continues with your support. Join us from 10 to 11 on the second and fourth Friday mornings of each month for Talk of the Towns. Our theme music is a medley from Coronach on a Balnane House Highland music recording. Thanks again to our guests in the studio, Mike Bender, Fire Chief from Mount Desert, Matt Bartlett, Assistant Fire Chief from Bar Harbor, and Dennis Robertson from Blue Hill Fire Chief there. Um, thanks to those of you who listened and called in. Thanks to our underwriters. Thanks to Amy Brown for engineering our program, and stay tuned for On the Wing. This is Ron Beard, your host for Talk of the Towns, wishing you a good morning. <laughs>